Howdy Meeps, welcome to the Meeple Syrup Show. Hello everybody, um, you know what? Jesse, I'm going to ask you to sing the Meeple Syrup song because I don't think enough people remember it. Uh, I was not prepared for this. I just, I just, I'm the least musically talented person on the show right now. Oh, that, that's, that's, that's hard to believe, uh, with only two of us. Anyway, um, today today we're doing a deep dive into drafting. Uh, drafting is one of my favorite things to do. And I don't, I don't even know why. Um, I don't know if you were around Jesse, like in the, in the know of, like the draft everything, draft anything days, where uh, Nate and Jr. and a couple other people would just pick a topic and then draft teams from that topic. I heard about this. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't in the know when it was a popular thing to do. Oh yeah. Well, we're doing it again. We're do- we're doing it on Sunday uh, because of the new Game of Thrones um, season coming up. We're drafting deaths in Game of Thrones. Axe. Yes, it should be it should be good. Hey, David Thomas here. Wind drafting? No, just just drafting cards and things and whatnot. Yeah, anyways, uh, I like drafting stuff. I like drafting kind of anything. And the beauty of draft anything was really just that you would then justify your drafts. And that was the fun part of it. It's like, why did you draft, you know, uh, Black Panther instead of Iron Man? You know, Iron Man's ostensibly better than Black Panther. It's like, well, no, wait a minute. You know, so. You didn't no, it. Yeah. because Black Panther is actually capable without a suit. And so. Oh, <laughs> shots fired. You know, Tony, so Tony Stark is like uh, a, like a super high level futurist, right? So if you read the Illuminati series in Iron for Iron Man and Doctor Strange and and Mister Fantastic and Namor, he's like up there in terms of you know planning the fate of the Earth and things like that. It's interesting. So cool. We're gonna be talking about drafting and drafting, 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 lots of other so stuff. What is drafting? It is not just a gentle breeze when you leave the door open a little bit, but it's a mechanic, but it's kind of a big mechanical space. Speaking like super abstractly, I think that you could define drafting as any situation in which players take turns picking from some things to have things. Picking from things to have things. I would go a little further and, and maybe have the definition include that it's from a subset of things often. Yes. It's usually so, not from the whole of the things, all of the things. Right. So players take turns picking a thing from a sub, from a from a selected set of things. Yes. Does that does that sound good, David? <laughs> hey, by the way, because Erica's not here tonight, her internet is acting up. Um, I don't know why. Thanks, Belle. If anybody out there in Meeple Syrup Land wants to come on the show just to you know have their say about drafting specifically tonight, let us know and uh, hit me up on. Facebook, if you're there, and I'll give you the link to come into the feed. Actually, uh, let's just see if I can post it here. If you see that link in the comments below, and if you want to come in and talk about drafting, um, let us know by popping in. And so we have a lobby that you won't be seen immediately. We can allow you in and kick you out and all that kind of stuff. No, David, you're not the only one there. There's other people. Zach's here and Andrew Wolf is here. And I think uh, Jason uh, Mohan is here. And yeah, so there's a, there's a couple of viewers. Actually, there's 12 there's viewers 12. right now, which is great. Yeah, which is good stuff for just starting and absolutely talking about nothing yet. That's right. Except all the right. definition. So, so, uh, really 
bad definition. Bland of definition. Drafting is when players take turns picking a thing from a set, a specific limited set of things. Okay, Jesse. So if that's what drafting is to you, and, and it is that to me as well in the basic level of things. What what are examples of games that use drafting? Sushi Go, Seven yeah. Wonders. Sushi Go and Seven Wonders. Those are the two we wrote. What other ones? There's more um, than just Sushi Go and Seven Wonders, dude. Yeah, uh, Magic Cube. Magic Cube, yeah. And uh, which, is, which for those of you who don't play Magic the Gathering is just Magic the Gathering, but within a, a subset called a cube. Yeah, it's just a draft. Yeah, you draft cube. You draft cards and then build your deck. Yeah, a cube is a preset amount of a subset of cards from which you can draft. That's all yeah. that really is. Millennium Blades Pocket Pro Tour is a drafting game. Mm, yes, it, it is. <laughs> that, that nobody but us has heard of. <laughs> Uh, do, 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 do. There's lots of games with drafting elements, so mm-hmm. um, I've heard people describe parts of Ticket to Ride as drafting. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen people say King Domino is a draft. It is? Yep, I think King Domino is a draft. Is Patchwork a draft? Uh, yes, I think Patchwork is a draft. And it's kind of interesting because they like tie the draft. So it's a very, Patchwork is just a very long draft. <laughs> So, yeah, but it's definitely a draft. Like, we're taking turns picking things, and that's the primary action that we're, we're doing. So D- David's asked us a question. Is it only yeah. picking, or can you push draft? Meaning something from the subset is pushed to a player versus selected by a player. David, we call that hate drafting. Yes, <laughs> or spite drafting. Or spite drafting. If hate, if hate is too powerful, word, powerful of a word for you. Yeah. There, so, yes and no. So... That could be that, but there's other people. Well, I would also use that term to say when I pick something from the subset that I know yeah. you want, that I don't, I don't think it's going to necessarily benefit me, but it's also not going to harm me. But I know it'll be awesome in your hand because I know what you took before. Yeah. Conceptually, David, absolutely, you could design a game with a push draft. Um, if anyone in the comments can give an example of a game where you pick something where you draft, but you're giving the thing you pick to somebody else, um, I would love to see it. Because I know that um, we've experimented with this idea several times over the last like eight years, and the games that we've at least come up with using this kind of like spiteful mode of drafting, the pick and give, don't end up feeling very good. Um, well, I, I mean, I would consider I cut you choose as a type of draft. Yeah, but it's not pushing like the way that David's describing it, right? Well, it, it, it does by you not taking that other one. It automatically gives the other thing to somebody else. Yes, it does, but that first part, the I cut phase of it, means that even the player that's going to be on the default receiving end of the other half of the pick still has some agency in what's happening to them. Sure. Right? Yeah. You, you get to pick the two things of which you're going to get the one that the other player thinks is the worst. Yeah, which is a really interesting thing in my book. Uh, yeah. Where you're picking ostensibly, like, ostensibly the worst thing to give to a person, yeah, that's that's... I don't even know if that would be... I, I there's got to be a game out there that does that. Yeah, no, that's why. That's why. That's why I want someone in the comments to tell me what it is because I want to see it done well. Oh, Jim uh, Baker said gloom. Um. Huh. I, I, yeah. I, I have. I have to think about that. It's been a very long time since I've played Gloom. I'm not sure, Jim. Um, do players hmm. pick things from a set of things? <laughs> Huh. Yeah, and we've also got uh, Sagrada, yes, Patchwork again, Steampunk Racer, I'm not sure what... Steampunk Rally, probably. Steampunk Rally, definitely. 
Um, so that's a game that uses drafting as part of an overall system. You have like a draft phase, which is how you get some cards to work with, and then another racing phase where you work with the things that you picked and sort of the game split in two parts. Which is really um, nice. Yeah. Oh, Zach, Zach has a good question here. Do you think drafting causes a barrier of entry? I feel that in drafting, a player needs to be able to evaluate an item's projected value. And I, I would agree. Uh, we had just talked about this offline before we started the show. But there's yeah. definitely uh, a barrier to entry with some drafting games where it's like, I don't know what to pick because you don't know the system and how that card is going to interact with every other card that you possibly can get. This is definitely a problem in some of the more complex games, even in Seven Wonders, which isn't that complex really when you think about it. But yeah. understanding how those systems score, I think, is the hard part. And, how, and also appreciating how your decisions in the first age are actually setting you up for opportunities in the third age. Because yes. you get the free, you get the free build chains off of cards, so you mm -hmm. can ignore resources. Um, and if you understand the card system in Seven Wonders, you can do that draft way better than someone who's doing it for the first time. Yeah. Um, it might be interesting though to to talk a little bit about a couple of games that try to overcome that in different ways. The one that I had brought up when we were offline uh, was actually Magic: The Gathering when they did their sort of. New but some of you, which some of you might say is like, "Whoa, that's that doesn't do it." But but check that out. You come from really early Magic and then look at modern Magic. You'll see. Well, well yeah. I, so the thing that that that's really important. So I actually think that Magic now is super easy to draft. Like you can have your first, if someone teaches you the rules of the game, like a 10 minute intro, this is how you cast spells and this is how you play cards and this is how you win, draft. You will come out with a competent selection of cards to build the deck within. And the reason for that is because um, Magic cards are designed in a very particular, like on a complexity curve. And so on one hand, Common cards have a complexity ceiling. So 10 of the 15 cards you're looking at when you open up a pack are going to be understandable to a novice player. And the other thing is that within the set of commons, there is a subset that are just objectively bad cards. I don't know if this is still true, but it was at least true like eight to 10 years ago when they like overhauled to try and make magic more accessible. So they were intentionally printing terrible cards. Why would you do this? The reason you would do this is so that people can do exactly what Zach was talking about, which is evaluate the cards they're looking at when they don't understand the bigger system. Because you look at these 15 cards and you see one of them and you realize it's strictly worse than another one of them. You look at something new and you're like, oh, is it better than that Minotaur that was five mana for a 4-4? Four, four? And so on. Yeah. So, so Tom is already disagreeing with you. But I think, he, oh, then he's retracted and said, oops. So maybe you said something that, that caught him. So he said, I disagree if you're talking experienced versus novice gamers with talking when talking magic. And, uh, yeah, you know, we think that as well. Obviously, oh. an experienced gamer is always going to outdraft a novice gamer. Yeah, I'm not uh, talking about evil, even skill. I'm not talking about leveling yeah. the playing field. I'm talking about um, lowering the ceiling, making it easier to climb in. Yeah. So that's somebody who drafts, a newbie who drafts in modern magic, I think is going to have a better chance than, uh, you know, ages ago, like 15, 20 yep. years ago, uh, because the cards yeah. were a little less easy to evaluate. Yeah. Um, one second, there's a couple of good quotes down here. Yeah. Um, uh, not can... about magic, but yeah. Oh, that's fine. Good. We can talk about different things then. Well, Vince says, Vince Londini, a good friend of ours who play tests our game a lot, says Citadels has a low barrier to entry because evaluating the roles is very straightforward. 
that's Citadel, a great example. And Citadels also does use drafting because that's role, the role selection at the beginning of every round is a draft. Mm -hmm. And that's a perfect example of a pretty simple draft because um, you know Bruno made the cards really easy to grok. They're really simple. You know what they do. And the system in Citadels isn't so complex that you know you would misunderstand how they work after even a couple hands of the draft. Like yeah. If you're brand new to Citadels, you might mess up the first draft, but yeah. the second draft and the third draft, it just gets easier and easier as you play it more and understand the system, yeah. uh, which is good because there are definitely games where if you had to draft your whole hand and that was your game and that's what you worked with for the whole game, if you were the first, if you were a first time player, that would not be fun at all. Well, but I mean, because you add those breaks in between, then yeah. you're going to get that learning feedback loop, right? That's right. You get these the regular resets in Citadels. Also, your decisions on turn one don't necessarily determine who's going to win in Citadels. The yeah. decisions are important in that game, but the early turns are are, are are more feeling out the group than they are actually putting yeah. you in a winning position. And so there's room for novice players to actually learn the system. I teach Citadels by just playing around with people, and then we just carry on from there. And yeah. so that's a great example of an accessible drafting game. And it's, one of, it's a very easy game to teach as well for drafting. Yeah. Uh, Andrew um, Wolf. Uh, says drafting, in my opinion, is also a more approachable hobby game mechanic because the concept of it is more widely known through sports. Ah, that's an interesting thought. That's funny. Um, I have found drafting to be one of the more difficult hobby game mechanics to explain to people that don't know what it is. Well, maybe you're not playing with sportos. I'm definitely not playing with people that are sports fans. Huh, yeah. That's interesting. Hey, uh, Andrew, if you want to pop on and explain why you think... Oh, there he is. He said, I meant in a broader sense for gaming as a more approachable game mechanic that say, than, say, worker placement or area control. Yeah, I mean, in mm. some ways, yes. Um, I'm not so sure I agree with area control. Area control is super visual. It's like all you can do is control the most area and you get whatever. And I think that's, and to me, easy, but... And good UX in a worker placement game also makes worker placement super easy to teach, right? And you think about Stone Age, that's such an easy game to teach to people the basics of, because it's like, well, you put your guy in the circle and then you do the thing that's beside the circle. Yeah. And only uh, one guy can go in that circle. And only one guy can go in a circle. We're good. Then you go to the hut. And everybody goes to the hut. Yeah. Daryl's agreeing with Andrew that sports fans definitely understand drafting. And I, and I get that. That's, oh, yeah. that's totally true. Yeah, I, I would say that is. Yeah, because um, they play things like fantasy, fantasy baseball. Which I finally got one of those things. So it's okay. <laughs> what do people What do people think about different styles of drafting? So you know, we've been talking about examples of some games that use drafting. Really, when Jesse and I looked at drafting in a couple of the games that we've designed, you know, there there are different styles of drafting, and we prefer, if possible, to snake the draft. So if you think about a snake, uh, snaking the draft, it'd be like first player, second player, third player, fourth player then fourth player picks, then third player, then second player, then first player, if we're not just passing cards around, right? So if we're just drafting from a straight-up set tableau of, you know, N plus N times 2 plus 1 cards or something like that, that's how I like to do it. Um, are there other ways that you think are good, Jesse? Other than snake drafting? I think, I think no, you like it as well. Well, no, I mean, I like snake drafting, but snake drafting only works when you don't have a lot of things to pick from. If you have number of players times two plus one items and your player count caps at six, then there's at most oh, 13 things on the table. 
And we can probably snake that. That wouldn't be too bad. But if it goes over that, then I wouldn't want to snake. No, that's the, a lot of it. Yeah. What are the benefit of drafting, by the way? The part about drafting that's actually my favorite in play is um, closed hand drafting because I like tables. I like games that let you make and read table signals. So and, and so Seven Wonders can be an example of this, right? So you get a hand of cards, and in the beginning of the round, you only know the cards that are in your hand. If you're playing with a low player count, four players is my favorite way to play Seven Wonders. You'll see that hand again before the round is over. And so, and you can make your first choice based on what you think might come back to you. And you can look at the table space and you can try and guess what other people are gonna pick. And then when that hand comes back to you, depending on what's left in it, that can tell you something about what other players' strategies are. Now in Seven Wonders, we all reveal the card we pick, so it's not as much of a memory thing as it is in, say, a game of Magic or if you're doing a pre-game draft of Seasons. But I still really like that, like, Oh, like you get a hand of cards and you're like, oh man, there's nothing blue in here. I wonder if somebody else is pulling blue cards. Maybe I should stop pulling blue cards because I don't want to fight with someone for that. Or I think those moments take the blue really cards cool. so they don't get them. Yeah, I already have some really awesome blue cards, so I should just like go all in on this. Um, <clears throat> that's right. And yeah, and I think those moments are really cool. And so when possible, I like to try and create them in games, but it's very hard to do that without also making the game inaccessible. Mm -hmm. Like only people that really understand all the pieces yeah. of the system can get into that. Right, which is when you mentioned Seasons, uh, let's get a show of hands up there. I mean, we can add a poll later, but for those of you who have played Seasons, how many of you have played Seasons actually drafting the cards, actually the spell cards? Chances are not many of you. And part of the reasons why is because usually when you play Seasons, you're not playing with the same people or you're not playing with people who all know the game. You know, if you are a seasoned season player, then you'll know that drafting is actually the de facto way you're supposed to play that game. And you cannot do that in seasons without playing it first without drafting. You have to go with preset hands and decks because it's not the core of the system. It's part of the system that drives the rest of it in some ways. But the game interacts with those cards in such weird and wonderful ways that if you don't understand the rest of it, you really don't know what to draft. Yeah. You, know, you can't make cards. those. You can't make those decisions well. David Tomei has got a question for us. He does is there a component or object that is less than ideal to use for drafting? Dice yeah. cards, tokens—they're common, but is there a limit to what can be drafted? I mean, I guess you could draft pizza. They're just slices. I mean, why not? Yeah, you can draft pizza. I mean, in a sense, that's kind of what you do when you're at a party and you order like six pizzas and yeah. you're just slow drafting the pizza over the course of the night. <laughs> <Slow> <laughs> take, some pizza. You take some pieces, you eat them, you come back and see what's left. You just yeah. Andrew's asking how many people play Blood Rage with drafting. Oh, that's a good question. Is, is is New York Slice a drafting game, Daryl? I, I can't feeling, remember. I have played this feeling it's an I cut you choose, but I could be wrong. I think it is, which is sort of a semi-draft, right? Yeah. Uh, same as piece of cake. Yes, then it is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, see, Brad is confirming what we said. You know, I've only ever played seasons with the draft, but usually I play it with the same person, and that that makes total yeah. sense. Uh, and it is a very good two-player game, by the way. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I mean, so I cut you choose really is a sort of draft. Like Travis is saying, isn't New York slice pizza drafting? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, I was saying pizza like an actual physical pizza, Travis. But right. yes, New York slice is. I cut you choose, and yes, I cut you choose as a form of drafting. So yeah. yes, you can draft and, pizza, apparently. And also, right. yes, that is a way to eat pizza. 
Oh, it is. Okay, cool. <laughs> what are some pros of drafting? What are things, some things that you think yeah. games benefit from having drafting in it? All right. Um, so one of the things that, um, uh, that I often see people point out is that one of the really nice things about drafting is it's self-balancing. Yep, yep. Um, and actually, the, and one way to make drafts interesting is not to have all cards be equal value in your card set. Yes, right? of course not. Right. So if every card in Sushi Go is worth a point when you pick it. That would it, be a bad game. <laughs> it would be a terrible game, right? But cards are better or worse than each other in different contexts and different times. And collections of things. Or not collections of things. Well, yeah, in collections of things. That's what I meant yep. to say. Yep, that's right. Right? So like turn one Wasabi is a pretty good pick. And uh, and it gets less good as the game goes on. So, um, But also because of the way drafting works, you can get away with having overpowered cards in the game. So this is, I've never played Blood Rage, but I know that there's been many arguments online about the power level of certain kinds of combos in, in the game. Yeah. And uh, so that Andrew had asked people if people played Red Blood Rage with draft. And one of the things that comes up in those is like, well, you just, you have to just draft the cards so that people don't get those combos. It's on you guys to have fixed mm -hmm. the problem during the selection process. If you let a player pick those things, that's not our, it's not the designer's fault. <laughs> oh, and, and so this is why I think some people think that auction games are lazy, uh, is lazy design, and they might also be the type of people who think that drafting games are lazy design because you leave it in the hands of the players to kind of decide what's powerful and not, or what things are worth. Um, and there, that is part of the con of it, if we're going to go to cons, that sometimes it is hard to evaluate if they don't have, because it's really just opportunity cost, right? It's like, what do you draft this turn? That's my opportunity to pick one of these three cards from my from this hand that I'm then going to pass over. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And if you don't realize that you're not just making the choice, what do I want, but also the choice, what don't others get to choose? Yes. You might think that drafting is a battle. Mm -hmm. Oh, Randy uh, has something interesting to say here. One sec. He says, I've heard uh, that called lot drafting. Uh, one of the things we were talking about before, where you draft a collection of things, right? Which is um, like Colorado is like that, where it's not uh, exactly split and choose. You're drafting a bunch of stuff. Uh, and there's a couple of games like that, where it's like, there's going to be a collection of things, a collection of things, and a collection of things. And you pick which of those three things you're going to take for your mm -hmm. stuff, which would be a really good way to do like, like a fun RPG-ish type game, where you just have random assortments of like magical items. You say, which of these magical item sets do you want? Or superpowers like that don't match? Or just D20 rolls. Well, no, that's not fun. But yes. You draft the pile of D20 results. Did I ever tell you that that's, that's, how, I, that's how I con GM sometimes? Not drafting, but I'll, I'll pre-roll. And I'll just, oh. I'll just mark them off on a piece of paper. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. That's because it actually, actually saves time. Yeah, so, yeah, Jesse Fernandez, this is great. He's saying, I haven't designed a drafting game yet. This conversation is somewhat giving me some ideas, which is really nice Perfect. to hear. Yeah. Uh, that's what this is about. The deep dive into a mechanic should hopefully help people think about it. So what do you think is good about drafting? I answered me? the question, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like drafting because it does give a lot of agency to the player. It lets them kind of choose their path and choose their fate. And they, you know, if you draft into something good, it is such a sweet feeling, right? Yeah. And it also gives you that feeling, you know, I can fix this, I can fix this, I can fix this on my next card, which is why, by the way, I do not like uh, draft sets where it's equal to the number of times it's passed, where you, where the last person just gets a card. Yeah, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to just get the card. I want at least one choice. 
give me two cards at the end that I pick between, and I'm a happy camper. If you just give me one, that game, I'm, I'm flipping the table, man. So well, I, don't, I, I can't even lift a table that small. But, you know, any, any card hand in Seven Wonders, then? Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. Randy is saying one pro is that drafting from a hand of cards can be done simultaneously, which is a pro. It is yeah. also a con. Oh, sorry, Randy. <laughs> uh, one of the reasons why I think it's a con sometimes, it depends on how this, the round structure goes. Uh, but we were just talking about this before we started as well, is that sometimes when you simultaneously draft, if you are a slow drafter, you kind of feel bad. You kind of feel pressured because everybody else who's fast drafting because they can easily evaluate, you know, two crap cards and a good card. I mean, I just passed my hand. I take that card and pass my hand, but you're sitting there with three decent cards and you're like, uh, I don't know. You feel bad. You feel like you're, you're under pressure to decide. And you might get a, st a couple stacks stacked up in front of you if everybody else is not following, uh, you know, proper draft etiquette. Is there prop? Is there prop? Is there prop for draft ticket? Jess, what do you think? Yes, you you shouldn't pass your hand until everybody should pass the draft hands at the same time. So games like Seven Wonders um, and Sushi Go enforce it because there's a reveal. You pick, you put the hand down, and then once everybody's picked, we reveal a card, and so we're forced to keep it clean. But if the game doesn't have that kind of reveal steps, we're just going to be doing continuous drafting. You should definitely wait until the person next to you has finished their choice before you pass mm -hmm. the markers. Very good. Andrew Wolf has a question. He says, is Potion Explosion a drafting game? Huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Why not? Yeah, why not? Everything's a drafting game. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Travis Magrum says he's a pro. Pro, friendly groups can choose to play in a friendly way while aggressive groups can hate draft things that others want. This is totally true. Con, mixing those players in a group is generally more beneficial to one of those play styles depending on that game. That is also true. Travis is really talking about, you know, play style and how our, our play style or the game's demanded play style meshes with the, the table's play style. Drafting, you know, you can go in two ways, right? You can draft stuff for yourself that you really want, but if there's nothing in there that you want, you might just take something that you know somebody else wants, mm -hmm. uh, which is good, right? Which is uh, st strategic, but it's also kind of spiteful or hate drafting. Right. And, or, and that's interesting. Yeah. Or if you see something that you kind of want and you think nobody else wants and something you know someone really wants, you can take mm -hmm. the thing that you know someone really wants and hope that that like, thing that you kind of want comes back around. Yeah. And that's what I like about some games where you get to see the hand that's getting drafted a few times because yeah. you can build those strategies or you can hope on those strategies and you can, those make for really good moments. Like you were saying, like, yes, oh, yes I came around. You're like, you're like, oh, yes. like uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. You, you feel clever, right? Because you're like, you, you, I mean, you, you did, you did absolutely nothing, nothing, but you totally no. do feel clever. Too clever because you took this risk. You think it was a risk. It turns out nobody at the table even cared about that card. But hey, you were like, oh, I really hope I see it again. Yeah, I love that feeling. It's and a wonderful feeling. It feels great. Which um, is why Seven Wonders at certain player counts works better for me personally. Yeah. In I lots know. of ways. But yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's why I like it at four, because you'll see that. Yeah. You'll see every hand twice. Yeah. Um, uh, Dave Tomei says, a con, knowledge is king, in my in my experience, or in my opinion, sorry, and probably his experience, he plays a lot of games. If you are ex inexperienced in what all the cards do, you have a huge battle to overcome. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, that That is right. definitely a thing. Uh, that's also a problem in auction games. 
Um, and so how can we do that other than just the valuation of the cards and put like this is this is worth about three to four points and this is worth 12 to eight points? I mean, well, it's that about help. It doesn't, because this is about sensitivity to combinations, right? That too, uh, that too. Because right? individual uh, cards is not a game make, right? It's the combinations of them. No, that's right. So I think, you know, it's it's tough to say. Games like uh, Sushi Go get around this problem because all the combinatorics are there for you. Cards only pair with specific things. Yeah. And you don't have these, like, complicated cross combos. I mean, Seven Wonders has the building chain right on it. Um, so maybe just Which kind of more information. I know yeah. it doesn't always help. It doesn't always help because you don't know what those subsequent buildings do. Or if you're even going to get them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so so it's tough. I'm not really sure what to do about that. I mean, this is actually a problem. So I mentioned before Millennium Blades Pocket Pro Tour, which is a cute little game that I made that no one will ever be able to find. You have to buy an expansion for Millennium Blades to get it. But anyway, it's a 21-card drafting game. So it's a micro game. There's only 21 cards in the game, and you draft them. And this game has, even in 21 cards, it's a super simple system. It has the exact problem that David is referring to. I will beat anybody at that game who has not played it at least twice. Because I know all 21 cards. I know all of the ways they interact with each other. And because I have all of that in my head, every decision I make is with full knowledge of all of the combo potential that I'm opening and closing for myself. I'm still trying to think if that's a correct statement because I'm pretty sure I beat you at that game. I don't know if you beat me. I'm the final. <laughs> I, just, no, I don't remember, Jesse. I'm kidding. It's, it's not a big deal. The, the point yeah, is, it's, 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 even, even, in a micro, yeah. even in a micro mm -hmm. drafting game, knowing the card set at like a higher level than just the content of them puts you at a wow. completely different tier. Than, I, and yes, I, I would say that in a smaller set, it actually is even more dangerous because you know all the cards. Yes. So I'm thinking about Mutants, which is another game that Jesse and I made that does have drafting in it, or can have drafting in it. And that is a bit more wild and fancy-free in terms of when you're drafting. Um, if you know what you're drafting, you will definitely do better. But sometimes, even when you know, uh, the combinations that come out of that game are fairly ridiculous. So it's, it's just interesting to see those things. I'm still fascinated uh by what combinations are possible in the game it's it's pretty funny oh and uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I think um, I'm just excited with backers to get that game yeah right <laughs> hey hey came by hey Derek how's it going should he be packing boxes yeah this is a rare oh that's why he's here and not on his own stream because he's <gasps> not packing boxes that's right this is the first time derek you have ever made it even just to say hi that's so it's such a moment it's a moment yeah. let's have a moment uh, okay cool um <laughs> hey derek what's your favorite drafting game let's see here oh uh justin is saying proper drafting etiquette is definitely to wait to pass till everyone is ready also i recommend verifying we are looking at x cards now right so like your hand is three cards or four cards, right? So you should verify that as well. That's a great. That's a great policy. You just have to try to enforce it or model it. Even better, just model it for people, and they'll continue to do it. So do you? There's an academic question. Do you think that like moment in some trick-taking games, like Spades and Hearts, where you choose a subset of your cards and pass them to another player, is a kind of drafting? That that is almost like what what David yeah. was asking. It's almost like a push draft. Um, mm -hmm. where you're passing cards to your partners. Or your opponents. Or your opponents, right? So like Tissue, 
Yeah, um, I haven't played Tissues, so I didn't know if it had that. Well, you should play it because it's awesome. I know. I, I really want to. Um, uh, you need keep trying. three other people and a deck. Um, it is, uh, yeah. And so, so just, to, just to paint the picture, what happens in Tissue is uh, you're going to pass cards to your left, your right, and your opponent. Uh, your partner, so he sits across from you. One card to your left, one card to your right, one card to your opponent. So you really do hate draft uh, from your own set of cards. And you yeah. say, okay, there's no way, because I have a pair of threes here, I won't be giving anybody a four of a kind if I take those two threes and give them to my opponents on my left and my right. And then you usually take your best card, like the dragon or the phoenix, and you hand that to your partner. Why? Because it communicates to them that that's where that super awesome card is. It's now in your hand. And I used to have it. And I gave it to you, meaning that that, and I usually give them my best card. So if I give them an ace, they're like, oh, he doesn't have the dragon or the phoenix. So there's a lot of communication in the draft, which is actually my favorite part of that game. The rest of that game is just a climbing game, which kind of plays itself in a lot of ways. There are some decisions to make for sure, definitely. And it's super fun to do it. But you know, it is also something that, like most trick-taking games or climbing games, which are, you know, obviously related, there is going to be some elements of it just plays itself. Mm -hmm. Which is often, you know, some of the commentary that we get about uh, things. Justin uh, is coming in. Justin, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Blasky? Who, uh, Mint Tin stuff. And uh, he loves drafting games. Um, Millennium Blades. Oh, here we go. Millennium Blades is Justin's favorite game of all time and so he loves drafting and he wants to come on and chat which would be yeah. cool okay. i can finally meet a human being that has right <laughs> uh randy hoyt is saying uh zany penguins is a fun one with that mechanisms where you draft cards to give to your opponents each round okay great zany penguins uh david we have to find that and play it at the gathering uh for right. those of you who are going to be at the gathering um come find us and we'll plays any penguins if we can find it i don't know if anybody's bringing any penguins but yeah that's that's it is it a game or actual penguins well i'm both it, it is buffalo so it's close to canada so we might have penguins we, we don't have penguins <laughs> there are no penguins there drafting so pros and cons so when we're designing a drafting game what are some things you know what and you're right randy i know um bgg does not include drafting as a mechanism for tissue hearts or zany penguins i get that but i think it still is i think you're still drafting a choice you're making a choice from your cards to give away you're just drafting into other people's hands and maybe the definition of drafting is taking it into your own hand and picking it for yourself or maybe that's but how bgg defines it yeah, but I, I would say, you know, it's not it's not bad to tell the other way. Um, when we're designing a game with drafting, Jess, what is, what's our goal? What are we going to do? If we're designing we, a drafting game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do we, what do we have to think well, about? I mean, I guess for me, if I'm thinking, I, it's, it's what, like, emotions and moments does the mechanic create? And that's how you figure out if the mechanic's appropriate for the game you're trying to make, right? Okay, so let's assume it is. Let's assume sure. drafting gives us the dynamic and the... Right. The experience that we're looking for. Right. So we've we've got so in that case, um, since I try to I think that we try very hard to make games accessible, we'd make sure that whatever it is we're drafting is valuatable to players no matter their skill level. 
at least to some degree. So it must be possible for players to quickly look at a hand of whatever or the options available to them and rank them. All right, everyone, we are inviting Justin into the feed. He'll be here in three, two, one. There he is. Hello. So we're just talking about ranking, uh, making cards in a drafting game uh, would be very good for us to have. We're going to put you in the big window. Oh uh, good, good for us to have uh, stuff that was easily accessible, I think is what Jesse is saying. So, yeah, there's a lot, a lot, right. of, a lot of stuff there. But, Justin, introduce yourself to everybody here at Maple Syrup. Hello. I'm, I'm Justin Blasky, a fellow game designer. Um, big fan of drafting games. It's probably one of my favorite game mechanics in general. Have you, have you made a drafting game? Maybe I happen to have made a drafting game. We we mm -hmm. may have one on Kickstarter right now, actually. Yeah, tell us about it. Uh, at uh, Area 1851 Express, it's a uh, straight-up drafting game where you're building weird, crazy gadgets, uh, making goofy contraptions of mixed technologies from various uh, aliens and human technology. It's a, it's a nice, light-hearted, but has enough strategy in it to keep you thinking. Mm -hmm. Like, think of a Sushi Go with teeth. Sushi go with teeth. I like that. That's a that's a great description. So tell us what you like about drafting, Justin. What's your favorite thing about it? Um, I, I a lot of people don't think it's interactive, but I love the way it is interactive with mm. it because you get to try to discover what everybody else is doing. Like like in Magic, you have no idea what anybody else is doing unless you're paying attention to the cards that are disappearing, or in some games where you can actually see what they're like in Seven Wonders, you can see what people are putting out and just trying to figure out what their plan is as you're going. And then, you know, having the opportunity to try to stop somebody or be like, well, I'm not going to take that. I'll let someone else try to stop them because I really need this card. And I just like the way that interaction actually works out. Cool. What do you think are the biggest cons for drafting? What are some negatives? I think probably the worst problem is losing track of hands. Like, so it, like almost every, like every other game that I've played drafting, it's, at one point in time, someone's looking at six cards and everybody else is looking at five. And everybody seems to have a hand of cards because someone passed their drafted cards or something weird. It, and so like people not following a decent protocol to to keep track of what hands are where. That's probably mm. the biggest con I've seen. Excellent, excellent. Um, and so when you're designing for the draft or when you're designing a drafting game, Justin, what do you keep in mind? What is your, what is at the top of your head? Why are you drafting it? Like what, what's, uh, what's the end game? Uh, so like, uh, so like with 1851, I wanted the drafting to actually be the playing of the game, kind of like Seven Wonders or Sushi Go would be. Right. So that when you're done drafting, you're done playing. And as you're drafting, you're even cleaning up after yourself with 1851. So you're, That's cool. you're not you're not building up a huge gigantic tableau. It it cleans up as you keep going. And so uh, really like what's the end game going to be with the draft is definitely a, a thought process in there. And then um, you guys touched on earlier with the accessibility to looking at the cards. You're always going to be at a disadvantage if you don't know the cards and uh, know everything about the cards or at least a good chunk of everything. One of the like so something I tried to do was provide as much of that information up front so that everybody can ha be on the same playing on the same playing field in terms of general information knowing if I want if I take this there's a chance this will happen and whatnot. Oh nice. And how did you do that in the game? Is it like player aids or Yeah, you have a little player aid that has all all the icons listed out and then the uh, the base point structure is very very normalized so that there's nothing real crazy on them. We've just been told that you're designing a solo mode for drafting. Can you this, tell us yeah, about it? Yes, somebody's got the inside <laughs> track. Yes. I'm not sure how she knows this information, but she's got the inside track. 
<laughs> yeah, we got it. We got an insider. We have a spy. Um, She's spying. Can, can you tell us a bit about how you're trying to make that work, if you don't mind? Uh, yeah, sure. So that's fascinating. Um, I never have really been a big solo gamer, but I kind of got pulled into that that part of the hobby through the mint games, and and with that, um, some of those people have come along into our new campaign and are asking, "Hey, we like to play solo. What can you do about that?" Which I was very uh, skeptical initially, thinking, how on earth can I make a drafting game soloable and also interesting? But um, I kind of took some cues from the way uh, Seven Wonders Duel does it. Mm -hmm. And then I also leaned on how I've done AIs in the past, making them have a, a very strict set of rules on their decision-making process so that the player doesn't have to do any choices. And then each AI can have a few different knobs turned to change how they would choose things. And so um, we, we're still going through testing on it, but it's very promising right now. That's so interesting. I, I guess, you know, because drafting could totally be something that would be soloable, really, when you think about it. I mean, why, why, why couldn't it be soloable? Totally right. It's so. not a thing you think of, really, because it's right. it's it's such a group. Yeah, it's a it's a group experience. Mm -hmm. And so this campaign is on Kickstarter right now. And by the way, we didn't plan this at all. So thank you for coming on. This is great. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Area eighteen fifty one Express is a two to five player. Well, now maybe one. So, to five yeah, so, soon to be one to play one to five player. Yes. Right, drafting game and set collection card game that plays in about thirty to forty five minutes. Currently, there are just under. 397 backers. So if anybody out there uh, wants to become the fourth 400th backer, I'm sure Justin would be super happy. I'd, uh, I would definitely be happy. Yeah, they are over halfway to funding with 15 days to go. And uh, this is kind of, is this a little bigger than what you normally make in terms of size yeah. of game? Yeah, box size, it's probably close to like a resistance box or something like that. So okay. about that size. Okay, that is, yeah. that is, yeah, definitely a different size. That's well, we're, not a different we're, size. Different. We're calling it our big box game. Oh, <laughs> that's pretty funny because then you think of like queen big boxes and stuff like that. Right, like right. Ginormous boxes from heck, right? So um, very cool. <laughs> if you if you were to play a game, would it be Millennium Blades? Is that like your number oh, one game? The, if if the time is there, if the time uh, is there, definitely. Good point. Do you have the first expansion? Yes. Have you seen my game? Is it? That's the. It's the the. The little the red little, and blue box. The red, yeah. I've played it once or twice, not too many times yet. Digital high five. Sweet. Je it Jesse is, is like you're the Jesse first person. Doesn't know any human <laughs> other than me who played that game, and I played it only because I was like next to him. Oh, yeah, I, 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 um, I want to play it more actually. It's just with um, uh, my uh, the other the other designer that's part of uh, Five Twenty Four Labs. He he also is big in Millennium Blades, and so um, we both. Own like all and we'll play yeah. whenever we can, but and so, but typically we just get a couple people together and play full on game, and yeah. don't, we, I don't just carry the little one with me. <laughs> I probably Jesse, should, so I can actually play one. It only, plays in, it only plays in five minutes, and if you like drafting games, that's what it is. Right, so. you should totally just do that. Oh, here's a question. Uh, Dave Tomei asks, and uh, Justin, maybe you can feel this question. What do you think about games like Dominion, where you are buying cards? Is that really card drafting? I asked because I have seen people debate the aspects of drafting and deck building before. So I wondered about your thoughts of the two as they relate to each other. What do you think, Justin? Is Dominion, is deck building drafting? I don't think deck building is drafting I, uh, by any means. I think a lot of deck building games use a form of drafting to build the deck. Uh, like I, w I would say Ascension or uh, 
Star Realms. Or Star Realms or um, Legendary. Or, yeah, le- uh, yeah, Legendary. Yeah, like, th- those games have a fixed set, and when it's taken, it's gone. Even a Crossfire and a Dragonfire, like those games, you've got mm-hmm. that market where once you take it, it's gone. Uh, games like Dominion, I wouldn't think of as drafting because there's a supply, and everybody everybody has equal opportunity to those cards. Once you buy one, there's still 10 more of them, depending on player count. So yeah, I, w- I would say some are and some aren't. So we're saying that uh, some deck building games use drafting to build the deck. Yeah. Okay, and some of them with like that have more of an open market are less drafting. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I would. That's how I would lean. It'd be like saying, you know, every game's a worker placement game, right? Right. right. <laughs> and, and that and people have devolved into these arguments where it's like, oh no, it's a worker placement game. It's like, well, wait a minute, worker placement usually means that other people are excluded from going to that worker spot, but this game, everybody can go there, so it's not worker placement. So a lot of it may be just a little bit of semantics. A lot of it may be just people's experience. But I think you're kind of right in this one. I, w- I would kind of draw the line at Dominion, but mm-hmm. might allow some of the other ones that have more of a market, or not a market, but a river style or hand style I mean, of drafting. And if we're going to argue semantics, we did start this stream off by coming up with a definition. And the definition <laughs> and super you push me, then you push me to include a limited set from which they are making their choices. I did, because I don't believe an open set is. Right. And Dominion is essentially open set right? because yeah. there's no scarcity. Yeah, I mean, yeah. In the context of a given game, just because there exists 600,000 other cards you could have been playing with. No, that, have, that, that's not. They, they're uh, not an not option. Even a factor. Don't even think about that. They're not, not an option in the context of this game. So that's not true. No, but that's a great question, Dave. Thank you. Uh, if anybody has other questions for us or Justin, uh, please do go to Kickstarter, check out Area 1851 Express, uh, which has nothing to do with trains, does it? Are, can you build a train in it? The, you, uh, there is a steam engine as oh, an option, okay. well, but there's no close. full-on trains. That's pretty close to something, you know, I would, you know, with Express, I think of trains as well. So I know what you mean it as like fast <laughs> and, and small and portable. I'm thinking trains, but anyways. Right. No, the, oh, I mean, 18xx was a thing we definitely had to get past for a while. People were like, "This is, this isn't an 18xx game." Wow. Oh, right. <laughs> like, yes. Right. No. No, it is not. <laughs> although, although I mean, uh, an 18xx game with aliens would be kind of fun. That's your next sure. thing. <laughs> cool. I'll really confuse um, people then. <laughs> right. If there is a, so I mean, train games. Speaking of train games, I think. One of you already mentioned it that a lot of you know people would say, oh yeah, in uh, buying from the, the layout in or not buying, sorry, picking which train cards you're getting in Ticket to Ride, uh, is that drafting? Huh. Are you drafting a card from that set? That's a, if you're that's drafting a lot a card closer from, to the line, right? If you're I drafting mean, a card from that set, then aren't you? Is it the same? Isn't isn't buying from the river and star realms or hero realms or yeah, I mean, realms? I think it, 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 I think it strictly would be drafting because of that. You've you've got your limited set each turn, mm-hmm. and so, uh, Same so yeah, really yeah. And I think there's uh, you know I and I don't think any of those games have drafting in their BGG entries, right? Because right. they're not primarily a drafting game. They're a game within in which you might draft. Pretty, pretty sure I got the ticket to ride thing from the BGG drafting description. Oh, did you? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, 
Okay. I don't know if it's on the entry, but it's at least in the like BGG description discussion. Cool. Oh, here's another pro that we did, we missed. Um, Brad Bachelor says, uh, pro of drafting uh, lets you process a lot of information, a lot of cards, for instance, in smaller chunks. Yeah, and that, I think that's that's definitely true. The cognitive load is not uh, the same as getting like a hand of, you know, or all the cards, right? Or picking from which all is, the possible cards. Which is precisely why I said I wouldn't do a snake draft if it was over 13 cards or right. 13 items. Yeah, I mean, I, I even think, um, you know, in Seven Wonders, the the hand is a little on the big side, but seven so? isn't too bad. Well, seven, is, well, it depends, right? So Ma seven the hand size, <laughs> I know, but the um, the hand size isn't that bad um, because the uh, cards aren't that dense. Um, and with magic drafting, uh, that is almost never the way a new person learns how to play magic. Right, they learn how to play magic, and then they evolve into cube drafting. Yeah. Once they get, you know, once they start realizing, like, oh my god, I can't afford to play this game anymore. Nice. That's usually when you get into cube. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? So that's 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 it's interesting, and it's it's nice to see other people who like Millennium Blades. Oh, uh, Rachel, Rachel asked me to ask you, Justin, about your key for cube. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I really like Keyforge. I thought it was a really cool. Uh, twist on on card combat games with uh, where killing each other wasn't actually the goal and I but, took, it, took a, it took a while for me to figure that out by the way <laughs> right it, it's so different but i i really liked it i really i really got into it ended up buying quite a few decks and then realized i have a lot of extra cards here i wonder how draftable this game could actually be um mm -hmm. so i ended up making a little tool that would generate uh a cube based on the decks i have and uh, like like it, programming it yeah yeah, yeah. Are you, are, you, are you a programmer by trade? I am. Okay, that explains it because it's like, yeah, that's not something that a normal human could just. Right. It's not like I just to program this thing. Program and, you know, something. You no, know, it's some machine learning. You know, you know, yeah, no, no big deal, no big deal. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like so, it would generate a cube, and then uh, we actually drafted it, and with a a very pretty minor modification to the rules, basically saying no given house can take more than thirty three percent of your deck. Like that's that's the that's the end of the rule. Oh yeah, 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 that makes sense. So like that, the restriction is just a one third restriction. Right. Yeah. So you can go as many or as few cards as you want, so long as one third of your deck is the most any given house takes. Oh, so you you can't actually you don't actually have a set deck size. No, I, I mean recommended deck size. But, you know, try to get to thirty six, but whatever. And we had a few people that were playing. I think everybody played around thirty six anyway. Um, a couple of people were were. Um, uh, had four running four houses actually. And oh so wow! It, it, which and it, it it was really interesting. It, it worked out pretty well actually. I was huh. surprised. That's that yeah. is interesting. I think I would much rather play Keyforge that way than the way Keyforge is actually played. Because <laughs> yeah. so often you're like, I wish I just had this one card I know exists. I, yeah. I wish I had it right now. And to me, that that is the main problem with Keyforge for me personally. I'm a tinkerer. Mm. I sit all day and think about you know how to make a better magic deck even better. That is that is that was my entire youth was spent like that. And so Keyforge does not scratch that itch at all. So Keyforge actually offends me. Uh, like li like <laughs> viscerally offended that I can't fix this mistake. And Jesse knows because he's seen my decks. I only have two decks. I only have two decks. Yeah. And one of them you have one has of curve. 
Yeah, and then I have one, the one that I played first, uh, which has uh, two cards that don't work with any other yeah. cards in the oh. deck. Uh, and, and it, well, one that doesn't work, and the other one, one that doesn't work, and the other one is anti-synergistic with your entire deck. Yeah, uh. kills the creatures that are in my deck. Right, it kills all scientists. Well, I have four of those. <laughs> right, and the other one is that that one card that did get through. I think um, in the, the sacrifice, the sacrifice yeah. altar. Yeah, the the one where you sacrifice, and it's like, well, it gets me nothing. It doesn't actually get me anything. I can't use the thing you get when you sacrifice because I don't right. have that house. Whatever. Anyway, so I like that other deck you have. It was great. Yeah, shut up, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> I have a. Uh... In one of my decks, I've got a uh, a Maverick card. That's it's uh, I think it's Phase Shift, which is basically play a non a non Logos card, and uh -huh. Logos is a house in the deck already. And so effectively, it's you may play one card from the third house in this deck. Good right. It's right. Feel like having that right now. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, I'm like, well, that kind of missed. <laughs> Uh, so, is your Keyforge Cube URL public? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see. Yeah, let, let's let's share that. I can type it out in the in the title here. So, uh, go ahead. Tell me what it is. I'll, I'll, I'll post it right there. It's gonna get posted into the our internal chat. Our internal chat. I put on the internal chat there. Thank you. And then, if anyone wants to see cubes that have been generated already, there's a, a cube listing menu item up top otherwise oh cool that is super neat i'm gonna hide that and i'll bring it right back bring it right back with the right one there we go boom there you go k kf cube uh dot blasky dot net which is um very personalized and obviously <laughs> makes sense it's a key forge cube uh rachel would like to know uh if you can take out the garbage when you're done the live stream <laughs> i guess that so I, su I suppose she <laughs> supposes to rachel okay excellent um it's about that time that we go so we talked a lot about drafting um and if you if people yeah. out there are interested in looking at drafting games um definitely check out again area 1851 express on Kickstarter now from Justin and team at 524 Labs. Um, if you have Millennium Blades and you have the first expansion, uh, you should find the little game that's in a it's in a little box and it's like 21 little cute cards and you should play it because Jesse made it and then <laughs> challenge Jesse to a game whenever you see him. I'm okay. not sure where he's going to be next. He might be at Kubicon, uh, but if you can find him and challenge yeah. him to that game. He will love you forever because, like I said, he's never met another human physically in the real world, which is why I had to do virtual high fives with Justin that has ever played this game. Yeah. And it, sometimes it's because they just didn't even know it was in the box. <laughs> There's a lot in those boxes. Those boxes are, are ram jam full of stuff. And it was funny, when Millennium Blades first came out, people were saying, well, what, 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 what are these 21 extra little cards? Do they actually fit in the game? Because they're, they're not at all you know, in the so mode of Millennium Blades. So it's really it's funny. hilarious. I love it. It's just a little box. You open it up and you're like, what is this? What set is this for? Yeah. And for those of you who want to do Keyforge as a cube, uh, Justin has um, graciously sent his link, and it's on the stream right now, for um, making a cube with your bad decks. Yes. <laughs> and and if any of our viewers are really keen on drafting and I think would like to hear send draft Game of Thrones deaths, is that correct? Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're doing it live. I don't know if we're doing it live. Oh, no, I'm, I'm the MC. And um, you're MCing. 
but John and uh, so these are our friends, John and Nate, uh, John Kahn, uh, game designer. Uh, he did Grindhouse. Um, he's doing some other ones that I don't know if I can mention. Um, and Nate Murray from IDW. Um, and I think maybe a couple other people, they're going to be doing the drafting and I'll be most likely the host. And uh, I just get to ask them plenty of questions like, why would you think that Podrick was a good choice, right? Or something like that. So we're, we're looking at drafting. Um, why don't you think all the Game of Thrones characters are going to die to climate change? Right? That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Winter is coming, my friends. So yeah, the new season's out. So hopefully we'll be able to talk about that a bit more as, as we get closer to that. So yeah. anyways, it is 10.04, which is exactly the time when we should probably say goodbye. Um, thank you, everyone, for watching. Justin, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Justin, hey, you know what? Since you're here, uh, we usually ask guest designers to give us one piece of advice that they would like um, other new designers to know that you didn't know when you started this out. And maybe if you could think about how to relate that to drafting, that would be awesome. If you can't, that's fine too. Uh, but if you can, that would be like extra bonus. We would give you an extra like point, extra victory point. Uh, hmm. You need a dedicated team of playtesters and you need to treat them very well. That's every game. And that's awesome. For and everything. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. Do you find, just, just as a, as a follow-up question to that one quickly, do you find that if you have a dedicated team of, of playtesters that are playing a drafting game, that they get better at, at drafting as they learn the cards? They, they, they do just because they're, some of those patterns get built in, I think. Okay. okay. And is that a good thing or a bad thing in playtesting? What do you think? I think it's a little of both. It depends on, right. on what you're trying to, what your, your goal is at any given point in time. Excellent. But, Excellent answer. <laughs> I like that yeah. answer. Yeah. So anyway... Yeah, you dodged a bullet on that one. No, that was good. <laughs> uh, so we'll see you guys next week. Jesse, what are we doing next week? Yes. Oh, yeah, it'll be a new designer spotlight. So we'll get we'll a new, new designer spotlight. spotlight. <laughs> we have three weeks from now settled. Okay. Oh, okay. What's that going to be, Jesse? Just to, you know, for edification. Uh, I think we're going to be talking about media. We're going to be talking about oh, board game cool. media. Excellent. So we might have a guest from the board game media side, and we'll let you know who yeah. that is when we find out, because I think Erica yeah. knows. Erica's yep. all. She's Correct. smart. All right, cool. So we'll see you guys later. Remember, go to Kickstarter area, 1851 Express from Justin. Justin, it was super nice to talk to you. Uh, we'll talk on. to you. I'm sure we'll see you more. Excellent. Talk to you soon, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Meeple Syrup Show. If you'd like to support us on all of our projects, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash Hope to see you next week.